0: Welcome to Higher ID, the podcast where we talk about all things instructional design and higher ed. We're your hosts, Dr. Jess Zeitler and Christy J. Woods, and we're excited to bring you our next episode. Yes, this week
1: we have a very special guest, Dr. Jachi Yu, who is a senior instructional designer at University of North Texas's Health Science Center. Today, we'll be talking with Jechi about her instructional design journey, some project management, and connecting research to
2: practice, which I'm so excited about. Jechi, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's indeed my honor and privilege to be here and just share some of story and experience with your podcast subscribers.
1: Oh, yes, we're excited. We're excited.
0: Jachi, I want to second that. Thank you. We're really excited to chat with you. and. Such an exciting topic um, for me, especially. So, we're looking forward to it. So, to get us started, you know, you have a lot of experience both as an instructional designer and a researcher. Can you walk us through some of your highlights, uh, your career highlights, and um, maybe some projects that you're particularly proud of, and and of course, what you're doing now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually started my career as instruction designer as a part-time while I was working on my PhD degree as a doctoral student at Iowa State, so I see that kind of, that part of experience was such a valuable and a unique experience to me because during that time I could study and practice at the same time. So technically I work about 20 hours per week and works faculty designing a lot of online courses. And I'm also taking three or four different courses in instructional design during that time um, so that I can practice what I have learned in the classroom and then I could also use my practice to inform my research interests. So I think after then, I always try to maintain this kind of balance circle so that I can do something in the research and practice and make sure they inform each other. And I feel like the pandemic really created a historical divide and changed our lives for everybody. So I think mine is not an exception. So I feel like I had passed for about two years in 2020 and 2021, um, just working remotely as most of you. Uh, I think I started from 2022. That might be sort of some kind of transition. Um, Mm. Also, I feel like that was a year that I finished, finally finished my PhD dissertation. Huge and finally, congrats, by the way. Yes. Thank you. I just feel like that finally is over <laughs> and completed the PhD degree in co-majoring education and human computer interaction. And also I started to get back to my favorite conferences and kind of completed about four presentations last year with my colleague and connection. Um, so I feel like that was kind of starting from last year. I feel like I'm of getting back to like the, the conferences, the professional community. That was also the time I discovered ID to ID virtual community practice and yeah. also made of so many connections like both of you. I feel yeah. like I really, really appreciate that. And I feel like this is where that I can connect with a lot of similar minded ID professionals and I also initiated more research collaboration yeah yeah I love that I love that you
1: said that too because I also like forgot about conferences (laughs) because of the pandemic and so Mm -hmm. this year I went a little wild with as many um conference proposals as possible because I was like I just want to get back to you know sharing those ideas with other IDs it's so important Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Especially pausing for two years without conference. Totally. I feel like that last year, I kind of tried to get back to two conferences. And then you feel like you are getting back to, you know, the connection, you know, getting back to the life before the pandemic. So that was feels really weird, kind of.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I concur. You know, I did a lot of um, conf- I presented at a few conferences, like four conferences in 2021 um so during the pandemic but they were all virtual conferences and mm-hmm. it was it was kind of interesting because it was also my first time presenting as a full-time instructional designer oh cool prior to that i had always presented as a researcher in medieval arabic and spanish <laughs> and so it was this really strange um change and then now i do enjoy that we can present in person again. And really, um, I really enjoy that personal connection that it provides um, and brainstorming opportunities, right?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: me too. Well, I wanna get to project management because
1: um, Jessie, we met through an ID to ID, and we were all doing Accelerate projects. For Jess and I, it was this podcast. And for you, you were working on a project around project management for IDs. Um, So I'd love to kind of just start the conversation about what is project management and how it's related to instructional design, because I feel like so much of instructional design is project management. So all the research that you've done, what do you think? Tell us how the two are related and how instructional designers can really foster these skills.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. I feel like in our field, and particularly instruction design and technology, there already have been a lot of research talking about project management. And they already indicated and emphasized on the importance of project management competency and skills for instruction designer. But at the same time, and the literature also indicated that a lot of the most of the graduate program and they don't have project management, you know, as a part yeah. of the curriculum. Yeah, so I didn't. There, yeah, there has been a gap, you know, identified that and on the one side, we feel this is important, but on the other side, and I feel like, but where could I learn about that? I never taught any classes while well, I'm working on my master or PhD degree, you know, but then how could I know whether I'm on the right track? to kind of pursue those skill and competency. Um, and also, I think we all noticed like in the past two years, all the job posting, they all kind of emphasize on the project management skill. I think that was not unique only for ID, but also other, you know, other professionals. I think there is an increasing demand that everybody needs to know about how to manage your projects, I think, on mm-hmm. a uh, day-to-day basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 and.
0: You know, I was going to mention that um, I really feel like there's a misalignment between what we studied, not necessarily on the instructional design and, and some of the building stuff, but between what we studied and the actual project management skills that I'm using so for me it turned out that i was much better at instructional design than i expected because i have so much project management experience prior to this and other things that i've mm. done in my life um but yeah the, i i didn't have a class they did not i had no idea to the extent that project management the role that project management would play in my position as an instructional designer
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I didn't realize how important the project management skill for ID until I started working as an e-learning company. That was many years ago. And I, at that time, we were more like an OPM company that I work with five different institutions. That at that time, I managed about 70 projects at the same wow. time uh, as a more wow. instructional design consultant you know, before that I was working, you know, working on my PhD, I'm working a part-time mm. instruction designer at Iowa State. At that time, I kind of only about managed about 10 to 20 courses. Yeah. And that was a balance about design and development. But then mm. later, once I took that role that I'm kind of more like a design consultant for mm. 70 courses. And then at that time we're using one of the really popular project management tool. I find the benefits of using that tool without that tool I, I guarantee you, I cannot manage or keep up with the mm-hmm. 70 projects. I, I cannot even remember where, you know, <laughs> sure. all the deadline and the milestone, where they are, you know, how should I manage that? So from that experience, that made me realize the importance that I need to know all the basic about the framework and model in project management. And then also, how can I utilize some of those popular PM tools to manage my projects but luckily, you know, very fortunately after that, I transitioned back to higher ed. I feel like my workload <laughs> is Decreased. getting back to normal, not that <laughs> kind of crazy, but yeah.
0: <laughs> so just a quick question, uh, what, just and out of curiosity, of course, what project management tool were you using at the e-learning OPM?
2: Oh, that was a Rike. So that was a very okay. popular mm-hmm. PM tool. I think that was five, four, four or five years ago. Um, I think over the past five years, there are more and more tools, you know, can be invented, like Monday.com, Asana. Uh, those are really smart sheets. I think there's Mm -hmm. a couple of PM tools become really popular. And also our team recently purchased one called ClickUp. So we just kind of finalized after a couple months of contracting process. We final (laughs) finally. We kind of purchase lessons for our whole team to use. and right now we are also in the process of building our template so that mm-hmm. I can also share more detail about that, like how we build our template. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Yeah, I used uh, Rike in my previous position and now Monday. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, we
1: actually, for the podcast, we use Notion, (laughs) Um, which isn't just a project management tool. It's a much, much bigger tool for that, but um, that's Mm -hmm. what we use to just as a little behind the scenes. (laughs) Um, And this is a good segue because Jess and I, I know we were curious about just what your project management process was.
2: Uh Yeah, um, yeah. As I mentioned that because we just recently purchased this uh, PM software called ClickUp, and mm-hmm. we're trying to build all of the template for different projects we have been working on. That include, you know, typical for credit online courses. That we have a really well established linear process, mm-hmm. but we also working on a lot of other non-credit program certificates and micro credential. So those type of projects, usually we involve multiple SME from campus and right. also involve like our continuing education team and also educational media team. So for those type of projects, we see the value of also creating a template um, in the PM software so that we can outline uh, the steps for, and also the role of all the stakeholder in those projects. Yeah, and I can just maybe take the for credit course as, as example, so that that yeah. usually I think yeah. is most of our ID in higher ed will work on. So that maybe could be others could be related to that. Mm. Um, so we use the project management for five stage. Um, the terminology from the project management that is very similar to ID model actually. So mm-hmm. as defined by the PMI, there are five phrases in project management, initiation, planning, execution, monitoring and closure. So you can see how it's related to the ID, analyze, design, yeah. develop, yeah. right? Implement and evaluate. Um, and then we wanna use this term because I think, because as I mentioned, a lot of projects we involve so many other departments. on campus, so we feel like using those terminology from project management could ease the communication across different departments, that we're not only using the ID model or language that only understandable by ID, but also could benefit other departments and stakeholder Mm -hmm. on campus. So what we did, for example, the online credit course, our typical cycle is 20 weeks before the course starts, um, mm-hmm. So we divided that into this five phase. The initiation uh, is a part of the one week of onboarding. Mm-hmm. And then the planning is usually two to three weeks is correspond to the design part in ID model. So that we're all gonna focus on course map providing objective and align all the pieces in a the, in the course. And the execution will be the development stage is usually the longest. Uh, in mm-hmm. our development cycle is about 12 to 14 weeks. During this time, you know, ID and the SME work together to develop the content. Um, and then the next will be the monitoring stage is that this is where we have our internal QM review. Um, yeah. If it's an academic course, we just use the higher ed rubric. Um, and that usually take about two to three weeks. So it depends mm-hmm. on if you pass or need revision. And one last phase is closure is one week. Um that will be involved the voting and the approval process in our institution. We have a distance education committee. Um, mm. So it's gonna be a lot of just closure to approval and make sure the course is ready for students. So yeah. that's how we kind of divide it into five phrases. Mm-hmm. And within each of the phrases, we further break it down into a set of project, you know this task um, for ID to do. So, for example, the planning stage is we also call the course mapping stage, right? Mm-hmm, Usually yes. about two to three weeks. And then we're going to break it down into a set of tasks, including like a draft to your course level objective, draft to your module level objective, right? And revise yeah. and finalize. Um, and uh, some other tasks, maybe align your objective to assessment activity mm-hmm. um, and uh, material. So, those kind of a set of specific tasks and we're gonna provide estimated workload for each specific task. In -hmm. that way, we can have our ID to track their real time and with the idea that we can continue to collect data from our ID so that we can uh, kind of compare between the differences between the estimated and real time spent on each specific task. Uh, And then we can do some research on this and also continue to fine tune our process. And incorporating that into the task also, we are using the RACI model. That was a RACI chart as a part of the project management. Um, Mm -hmm. It is uh, one type of responsibility assignment metric. So I find that is very, very helpful as well because it really help you clarify all the role and the responsibility for everyone involved in your projects. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to the example, like the planning stage, right? we have all those tasks. Um, And then you're going to define who is responsible. Like usually the faculty is going to be responsible for writing the objective, but ID will be the one accountable and consulted because ID will provide some recommendation and confirm if those objectives are down or totally meet the QM expectation. And then inform, it really depends. It doesn't apply to all of the tasks. Sometimes when you complete a really, really important task like finalize your course map, and you may want to inform the supervisor or somebody else, right, in your team. Mm-hmm. So sure. just want this kind of just a very quick overview about how we want, you know, kind of establish and build our template um, and for one type of project. Yeah,
1: I love that. Jess, I saw you had like a, a moment that you wanted to
0: <laughs> jump well, in there. Well, so. I did. Give me a space no yeah no worries um well and it kind of connects to the next question because um i love that you're taking on some of those project management terminology um to connect better with with people who are maybe used to that terminology and and that leads me to ask about kind of your collaboration or the instructional designer role and a big part of that role is collaborating with the SME experts and and stakeholders and thinking about some of um, my my experiences with working with instructional uh, excuse me with the SMEs I was thinking about how do you share um, that process do you share um, so you're using ClickUp you're you're about to implement ClickUp but do you share do your SMEs have access to that project management tool? Or is there another way that you're kind of sharing and building that relationship with those SMEs so that it's also um, within their top terminology as well? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, our plan is definitely we want to share each of the projects with us and me. For example, we are building a, a demo Course right, so we're probably going to share this template with a SME, so they can see all the tasks you know behind the scene. So sometimes a lot of our faculty they're not fully aware of everything the ID or educational media you know specialists or the QM mm-hmm. review. So they don't know all the things going on, like how long it's gonna take for us to convert everything into MLS or an authoring tool or publish, you know? So we think that's a benefit if we can share uh, the entire sort of template with the faculty so they can see all the tasks they need to complete and yeah. also other people need to complete, but still we need to test that out for sure. So we want the faculty cannot change any of the tasks we have a, a set up mm-hmm. there. So that probably they can only be more like a view, the task, you yeah. know, so oh, they yeah. can be informed of everything. Yeah, but ID will be the person who keep everything, you know, check of the box or share some important updates. The faculty will be definitely keeping the loop and be able to, you know, see everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's related also to another point you mentioned about the relationship building yeah. Um, yeah i think the relationship building is really top priority especially Huge. in the context of higher ed is yep. maybe yep. i don't know because i have limited experience working the corporate but most of my experience in the higher ed i feel like in higher ed because we have much lower the turnover rate so I think the relationship building is uh, huge and so mm-hmm. important uh, in our context. But with implementing those kind of project management tool, I think that will help facilitate the transparent communication. Yeah. And we don't want to use all of those deadlines to you know push our SME or make them feel pressure or stressful. But I feel like there is so many room we building the template that we want, especially during the you know, the development cycle is usually the ID will get stuck, right? But that is Mm -hmm. also where we wanna leave the flexibility for faculty and SME, so they can figure out their own timeline within that 12 to 14 weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But definitely also we kind of use this project management to to facilitate transparent communication collaboration. Uh, But also I think the ID needs to keep in mind relationship building, it's on top of everything yeah. uh, when, when things, you know, when sometimes you're falling behind and just, uh, just make it, you know, comfort your SME and make, that sounds like not a big deal that we can mm-hmm. catch up if we do ABCD, you know, in the next yeah. couple of weeks and we can catch up and just still, we can still meet the final deadline. So yeah. definitely, I think there's a lot of parts like really need the ID to be strategic and mm-hmm. think about how you can maintain a really good relationship and well, you can still meet all the deadlines.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, what you just said, like be strategic about building the relationship and meeting the deadlines. Um, I often talk to the folks that I supervise around that balance of like this relationship versus task. And it's really like this continuum instead you're, you're building up the relationship. And sometimes the, the task deadline may actually be just kind of arbitrary. Like if the, if, if the difference is between um, this week and next week, as long as they're within the contracted, you know, course development timeline, th- then that's fine, right? That will help give them some empathy. You can validate their needs. You know, faculty are so incredibly busy. I work at a research institution, so they're doing research and um, all these other things beyond uh, developing courses, which is already a time intensive process. Um, so, yeah, I can, I couldn't agree with you more that the relationship is just so important, um, especially in project management.
0: Yeah, I was, I was thinking about kind of this other just maybe underlying part of that relationship too, is that, you know, um, instructional designers are experts in, in our field. And mm-hmm. one thing that I think is really important when we're working to establish that relationship with the SME is um, to recognize and to let them know that we know that they are the experts in their field. Um, yeah. Because, you know, they spent sometimes PhDs take 10 years. <laughs> and, and so people spend a tremendous amount of time, effort, money, and often are very passionate about their topic. And so, um, I I really like to push that kind of we are we are a relay team, and you're an expert in your field, and and you're gonna, you know, share your knowledge with me so I can translate that to online um, engagement and learning. And I'm an expert in my field, and and we're just gonna hand that baton back and forth as we, you know, go through this. And um, mm-hmm. usually that makes them feel better because I think there's a fear that we're going to take over their course you know
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly I think you know building the relationship I think the foundation is your expertise and knowledge for sure it takes time but I think your attitude is also important especially at the beginning when you work at SME so I always emphasize like we're learning together we're growing everything together i kind of try to emphasize that more especially during the first or the second meeting so Mm -hmm. i don't know everything when they ask me any question if i don't know i just say i don't know and i will do more research and we will figure that out and if they are asking about a new technology or a new feature that i don't know but then i will say i will go back and do more research you Mm -hmm. know but then always try to frame like this is a collaborative effort yeah. you know this is a collaborative efforts we're trying to create a smooth learning experience for our students and I don't know everything and mm-hmm. we will learn together when we have any problem or a question so we will figure this out together mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh. yeah yeah and I can imagine that just helps with motivation because one of the things that I think often happens for better or for worse is that when you're in that like development stage, the design stage, um, of the, of the course development, um, I have had faculty kind of feel overwhelmed. They, um, have so many other things going on. So they'll kind of push this aside. And then all of a sudden we're at like a 75% deadline. (laughs) It's like the course still needs to get done. And, um, and we're behind and we're panicking because we're behind. And so I wonder to Jachi, if you can speak to some of that with, um, relationship building, but even, um, like the templates that you were talking about, like, what are things that folks can do to kind of, help so that it doesn't feel like it's all getting pushed to the last minute and totally overloading everyone.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially. I think that is a really common question, like a struggle. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ID in higher ed will face because especially usually you get about the planning stage the design course map, everything goes well. And once you get into the content development stage, that is usually about two to three months, right? You, you can yeah. easily get stuck somewhere yeah. because a faculty has other priority. They just totally. drop drop it and then they don't give you any content and then you don't know what to do during that yeah. time. So we have a sort of idea, we call the rapid prototyping in our mm. team. So I think this does, this does not apply to all the subject area. So yeah. it really depends on the subject area because here at the Health Science Center, a lot of the content are really difficult. I don't feel like I can do a lot of the content, put together the content for the faculty. So it really depends on the context. Some of them depends on the topic or the subject matter area. But Mm -hmm. if you can, sometime I will try. I will do a little bit of research. And then I will put together some content and resources, some video and the article, just based on my research skill that I can just put together and find some credible Uh, material but I don't really know any of about the content so I put together some content and definitely some of things are wrong or not appropriate but the faculty will be motivated to correct you and then (laughs) once you share this is sort of some like a draft and then somehow it motivates them and motivates your SME to feel like oh this is not perfect and some of the things you picked are good but some of that I feel like I had better Presentation or mm-hmm. article and the video to replace that. Um, mm-hmm. We find it's real kind of being very effective. Some, sometimes, if you get stuck in for a long time and you don't get a content from the faculty, then maybe you can try. We call the rapid prototyping. Put together something based on your limited knowledge and mm-hmm. expertise in this area. And then try to keep the ball rolling and because they will correct you and add more <laughs> content. Because they just finally, want to teach. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, so funny. exactly. Uh, at, a, at the same time, we also try to schedule something, you know, um, also about the media production because we have an educational yeah. media team. And try to schedule something earlier and keep them busy. And then, you know, while you're waiting on the content, and also maybe schedule some of the media production ahead Mm -hmm. of time uh, that, you know, as you're waiting on the content and they can also work on their part about some multimedia production. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jachi, speaking of research, um, you recently led a panel at the OLC on project management and instructional design. And um, how did you connect your instructional design research and practice in a way that Minimize the boundaries between the two, so instructional design practice and research, and and maximize your time and efforts. And what would you recommend to others?
2: Thank you. Thank you for the question. I was really proud of the OLC panel session yeah, we put so together, cool. and the Jess was also part of the panel. Yeah, uh, she so was. We have, yeah, <laughs> we have a panel from you know instructional designer and director. From five different higher ed institutions. And Mm -hmm. we kind of shared a lot about our perspective, you know, how the ID, why the project management are important, especially if you want to move from an entry level to a senior level ID. And Mm -hmm. what are some resources um, you can put together, you know, kind of enhance your skill or level up uh, about your skill. Um, And also after the conference, and we're still working together and try to Mm -hmm. collaborate on a manuscript. And yeah. I hope we could, so cool. you know, yeah, that it's a position paper we're working on. I do hope mm-hmm. that we can publish this paper um, either by the end of this year or next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. speak of the, about, you know, how to connect to the practice and research. I think that because we all have really limited time, we only have 24 hours per day. So I think that we do need to be more strategic when we think about you know how you can do your day-to-day job as instructional designer but also you can collaborate and initiate some research um, research projects so I think you have to think about uh, you know review and reflect on your ID practice day-to-day and see how you can blend your research agenda into your day-to-day practice um mm-hmm. to I think in that way, then you can maximize your time so that you don't see the research as a separate um, channel or a separate workload aside of your work, but something you can blend them in, you know together. So I do have a recent example like from last fall semester that my colleague and I were working with a faculty from a public house and then we're redesigning a course called Principal in epidemiology, and we helped the faculty convert about 20, 20 to 30 PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. into an interactive module using Articulate Writes, you know, as a part yeah. of the Articulate Suite. Um, so it was a, the original presentation are really in good, a really good format, and she provided all the detailed scripts and also have a PowerPoint, you know, converted and like a narration PowerPoint into video. But Mm -hmm. just based on the course evaluation, students feel like this topic is so hard. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. for online students it's not possible for just watching the video and the PowerPoint and then can get all the content. So we decided to convert into an interactive module in RISE. And then I have this research idea. We could offer all the three types of lecture covering the same, uh, same content material, but in three different formats including mm-hmm. a PowerPoint and a video and the interactive module in rise, and we can see how students respond and how students perceive their learning experience of using them. Mm-hmm. Um, so while, we're converting really busy converting all the PowerPoints and we filed the IRB application. and then we get the approval like right before the semester ends. And then we could that in that way we can send out a survey you know, and also invite students to participate in the interview uh, for that study. Uh, So, and also because that fall is only the first semester, we only get like two survey response, but we frame the study as a one year long. So we're going to continue to collect data. So for the next three to four semester in that way, then we can collect more data. Um, But we did present our preliminary results at UDL IRN conference last week that's uh, cool that's yeah. awesome yeah that's, that's an example like how much we did like in the, in yeah. the past two or four months like yeah. once we work on the it's an id project right we just uh, do a development for faculty but then we think okay we can do some research and then you have to speed up and try to put together your research plan arb application um, mm-hmm. and then start collecting data but it's kind of worth it and then we all feel like this is a really good topic, and because of the topic, the instructor also talked to other in, in her department, yeah. and then we get more clients yeah. from, oh. from that college because yeah. they're all interested. Like, oh, we also want to do something. You know, not only work on your this uh, ID project, you know, but also a lot of mm-hmm. faculty. They're also trying to find a way to blend their teaching and research together. Yeah. Yeah. Faculty also, you know, they are, they're really kind of having a heavy workload and a lot of the faculty on the tenure track, you know, they are trying to build also gather more research projects, but also teaching class. They're trying to blend these two together. I do Mm -hmm. see that ID could play a role in this kind of project and collaborate together and turning their learning into a research so as a part of their tenure and promotion you know Mm -hmm. package
1: yeah yeah. what a symbiotic
0: relationship (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was i was just gonna say that is you are taking that e and addy to um all the way through right a lot of times instructional designers don't get to do that e and addy uh we get to build it and and then it's made possibly then it's gone. And so that E and Addie, uh, it must be really satisfying. And thank you for sharing that idea. I now I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe I, I want know. to commit an IRB <laughs> because that's, I, I know. I've done one before, but in, in different yeah. scenarios. So that's, yeah, that's great practice.
1: Yeah, I know. My wheels are turning too. <laughs> I'm feeling very inspired.
2: Yes. Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of projects like this that you mm-hmm. can easily also turn mm-hmm. that into a research. You just need to kind of narrow down to a specific research question. And then then you can just uh, come up together, you know, start with something small. It doesn't have to be a big research project like our project. is really just looking at their perception of using three different types of lecture material. So kind yeah. of just uh, find a particular angle that frame your research question and just make it doable. Uh, something that you can do at ARB, you get ARB approval as soon as you can mm-hmm. so that you can collect and publish those yeah. data. I think faculty will be interested in collaborating with ID on a lot of projects like this, you yeah. know, that will kind of really, you know, that's really benefits all of us.
1: Yeah, you've already asked a, or answered a question I was thinking about asking, Jenji, which I, you know, I really think one of your strengths is um, researching and really sharing out the um, the research that you found both through conferences and writing. I think you just do a fabulous job at that. Um, and and you've spoken really about how others can kind of get involved in thinking about like a research question, what's something they're trying to solve and getting faculty buy-in. Anything else that you think you'd recommend for folks that want to get involved in the research where they could start?
2: Yeah, I do think like you need to kind of start with somebody around you. I mm-hmm. think like if you work in a team with other instruction designer, I think you will look for if other ID would be interested in doing research. So yeah. before I, I joined our team, because our team has grown very quickly in the past two years. When I joined this team, that nobody else is doing any educational research at that mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. I kind of started to kind of pilot one project with another colleague. Then we go to conference. Uh, and then once you started one or two, and then other your team, other of your team member will become interested. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of also getting uh, the other two ID. Work together. And then I feel like this is really important to form a community of practice in your yeah. own workplace as a starting nice. point. Yeah, and, uh, because you know we are just uh, I, I do believe because I'm more like a social constructivist so that my dissertation is in COP, you know, yeah. I truly believe in the power of you know kind of learning in a community. And then yes. because I feel like the nature of learning is through interaction with, with people. So you definitely want to start with your own team uh, and try to facilitate a learning community. You can call whatever, you don't have to call it a community practice. You can call whatever you want, but it's something that you can start doing within your team and try to create this environment and atmosphere, like you know, value, research, collaboration, and peer review and sharing feedback. I think that is very, very important. That will keep everyone motivated and creative because everyone will start to kind of plant a seed in their mind, right? There's a lot of things we can collaborate and do research and we can do turn those ID projects into research mm-hmm. and start from there and then also reach out to somebody else from your institution. Those faculty members, maybe some of them, they all have different research strengths. Some of yeah. them are really good in qualitative study, mixed method or quantitative. kind of start reaching out to those faculty member. Uh, and then, then you will have more kind of make a huge impact in your institution. And then do- definitely also other ID across the country. I think like just uh, yeah. I think start with something from your team, your institution, and then also reach out to other ID and researchers across the country and try to find someone who share similar interests with you, and then you can collaborate together and try to solve a lot of problems and issues we talked today. I feel like those are really common challenges like a lot of us are facing so that we can work together and try to find a solution or try to envision a different future for how mm-hmm. to work better as an ID. Mm.
1: Mm.
2: I love that. Yeah,
0: no. now, you're, I'm, now I'm inspired.
2: <laughs> um, no, That's but I
0: mean, I think sometimes um when people think of instructional designers and even when instructional design is presented to you as a role or a position, it's mm-hmm. it's presented in this really um linear, flat, maybe in the box presentation of sorts, right? Um mm-hmm. but in, in all reality it's it's quite dynamic. And mm-hmm. um kind of these little pieces that you thread into, and I, Christy, and I've talked about this quite a bit, you know, there's certain things that we do that are maybe not the norm or like, that may seem outside of our role as instructional designers, but that actually make us better instructional designers. And I just see that you've really touched upon that Jachi uh, in terms of like research and connecting that research into your role and, and that kind of building your, not only your role as an instructional designer, but growing your capacity, right. Mm -hmm. And your skills. So sorry to blab on, but I just, I I think that was really great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, I'm sure we could go on and talk forever, but we have to close (laughs) out. And so I, so one thing that's always just super important is to think about, um, if, you know, are there any resources? You've talked about quite a few. And so we'll, we'll have a little list to share, but are there any additional resources that you recommend for instructional designers looking to learn more about project management? Or research too. I'll say that too. Any resources at all? We're
1: interested.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think for project management, there are so many resources that you can get online if you want to pursue the PMI certification. So they offer the PMP, you know, CAPM. Those are the two really kind of internationally recognized certification. So Mm -hmm. personally, I'm working on the CAPM. That was a lower certification. But I do feel like I may pursue the PMP next year or later. Um, I think definitely you can just... uh, There are so many courses online, or you can just uh, from your local institution, they may have certificate program so that you you can help you prepare for the exam. I think like based on my own experience preparing for the exam, I think that really gave me a solid foundation about all the terminology, theory, framework and project management. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that was a value as you prepare for the exam, give you a systematic holistic view. About project management, but if some of you are not interested in getting a certification, just want to learn a little bit about you know PM, then maybe you can start with some MOOCs. Um, mm-hmm. I remember in 2020 when I was just uh, being bored, you know, quarantine at home, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> has nothing else to do, and then I just took a four course specialization from Coursera and mm-hmm. so that was a specialization offered by the UC Irvine. I remember, so oh, that are nice. four courses um, and then you just get a really good basic understanding about project management, and then yeah. they also ended up with a capstone uh, sort of like a mini project, mm-hmm. um, so I think something like that you can get a lot of those courses from Coursera, Udemy, Lincoln. Um, so start with one or two courses, so to see if you're interested a little bit more, and then maybe you can move forward uh, to some certification.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being a guest on the podcast, Jachi. This has been, an, um, again, super inspired. um, Great conversation. We're just really grateful for your time.
2: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a great conversation with both of you. Yeah. Awesome. Well,
1: and join us next time on our next episode of Hire ID. Bye. Adios.